0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Title for tonight, turn to the neighbor. Title for tonight, say our outlook on others. Our outlook on others. Let's pray over service together. Father, we thank you for gathering us tonight. For no other reason or motivation other than growing closer to your son. Strengthen our spirit. So Father, we thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders taking place tonight. We thank you, Father, that your will will be done. God, we welcome you into this place, and we remove all fear, all anxiety, all doubt. Right now, Father, hearts are softening, minds are opening right now. And any hardness of hearts, God, we're removing them right now. Any closed-mindedness, we are removing it right now in the name of Jesus, so that we can be a good ground for a seed that you're about to plant in our lives that might just change our lives. So, Father, have your way, let your will be done. Break chains. Free us from things that we've been struggling with, God. Let your will be done. We love you so much, Jesus. And everybody says, come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise for tonight. (laughs) We're going to start tonight in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Luke 10, verse 25. Give you a little context about this before we pick up. Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees and Sadducees, They're the religious leaders of the time. And whenever, like, I see Jesus talking to Pharisees, I'm always like, Jesus, why are you talking to them? Because Jesus always disagrees with the Pharisees, or they disagree on most, most things with the Pharisees. So I'm like, Jesus, if they disagree with you, if you all disagree so much, why do you even spend time with them? But then I realize that's not who Jesus is. Jesus, just because he disagreed with them on some things, that doesn't mean he had a disdain for them. That doesn't mean that he wasn't able to talk or communicate with them. And that kind of inspired me a little bit because who knows that there will be people in our life who we disagree with and we will cut them off from our life. This because they don't have the same opinions as us. This because they don't like the, the same things as us, or, or we, don't, we disagree on most things. We cut them off from our lives. And let me tell you something, that is not making people grow closer. That's pushing people further apart, and you're not helping, you're hurting. So when I see that Jesus is talking to Pharisees, in spite of them disagreeing with everything that he has to say, Jesus still would end to conversation, not to get into the arguments, but just to talk and communicate to love. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, one day an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So this Pharisee says expert in the law to kind of give you context of how serious they were about reading the law of Moses, the first five books uh, of the Bible, is that Between the age of 6 and 12, it was a requirement for every Jewish boy to memorize the whole first five books of the Bible. Like, memorize. Memorize. I can barely memorize, like, anything, okay? God's helping me. They had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. They were serious about this law. They were serious about it. They, 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 They knew it from frontwards to backwards. And so... This Pharisee who knows the law completely, he is asking Jesus a question, how do I inherit eternal life? And the answer is standing right in front of him. This Pharisee knows the, the, the word of God, fromwards to backwards, is asking how do I inherit eternal life when the eternal life, the way, the truth, and the life is standing right in front of him, Jesus, and yet he is asking questions, how do I inherit this? And he's... he's I want you to see the irony. He's asking what is the truth, and the truth is standing right in front of him. The answer is standing right in front of him. Jesus is standing right in front of him, yet he can't see it. See, when you don't have the right perspective, you're going to miss out on some things. When you don't have the right perspective, you might miss out on some promises and truth in your life. And it's not because they don't exist. It's because you can't see them, because you have the wrong perspective. See, this Pharisee, he, he's... He has been reading about this Messiah, this, this promised Messiah, his entire life, has been waiting for it. But because Jesus didn't meet his requirements, or he didn't, or Jesus isn't what he perceived the Messiah to look like, he missed out on it. He missed out on it. See, when you have the wrong perspective, you can be blind to the promises that God has for your life. Blind to promises that are standing right in front of you. And just like that Pharisee, he was blind to the answer to his question, just because he had the wrong perspective. Y'all hearing me tonight? And in verse 26, Jesus replied to this Pharisee again. Remember, he has this whole book memorized. He says, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Almost like, hey, have you read it? Jesus asked his expert in the law, if if he knows the law, and the man answered, He said, you must love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor. Everybody say neighbor. Neighbor. As yourself. The Pharisee, having memorized the whole Torah, he references Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. And I know, see, the Pharisee, if you see the scripture, he, um, go to the next one, 27, if you, if you look at this scripture, he kind of breaks it up. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And, everybody say and. and. Love your neighbor as yourself. Almost like, hey, this is one thing and then that's another thing. Can I tell you right now that's the same thing? Can I tell you you can't love your neighbor without loving God? You can't truly love your neighbor if you don't truly love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And you can't truly love your God with all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind if you don't love your neighbor. So those are the same things. I know it looks different. I know that Pharisee said and trying to say it's two separate things, but that's the same thing. That if you're going to love your neighbor, you have to love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So you kind of see that the Pharisee, he already has uh, the wrong perspective on things. And in verse 28... Jesus surprises them, and he says, right, Jesus told him, do this, and you will live. Basically saying, hey, look, you already know what you got to do. You, you answered it correctly. If you do this, you will live. But the Pharisee, he was, he was looking for a debate. He was looking for a way to test Jesus. So in verse 29, it says the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and he said, who is my neighbor? Everybody say neighbor. neighbor. See, the Pharisee, he wasn't satisfied with the word that Jesus told him. Because what Jesus told him was the word. I, I realized, like, when a lot of people talk to me, ask questions, but I love questions, I love this. Like, let me just tell you what my answer is going to be. It's not going to be my opinion. It, it, it's not going to be, oh, what I have to say about it. It's going to be what the word has to say about it. It's going to be what God said about it. It's not going to be from any other source than the Word of God. And so this Pharisee he has a question. He already knows the answer. He already has the source, the Word of God. And so when he asked Jesus, Jesus told him what? It's in the Word. You see, I, I realize a lot of times it's not whether or not we know what is right, it's whether or not we have the willingness to do what is right. So this Pharisee, he, he's looking for a way out of a, He was trying to trap Jesus, but he just trapped himself. He was looking for a debate, but Jesus said, you are right. Love your God with all your heart, strength, mind, and love your neighbor. But he trapped himself, and so he said, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Right away, you can see that this guy has the wrong perspective. Because he said, who is my neighbor? Not, how can I be a neighbor? He said, who is my neighbor? He's basically saying not how can I treat people right, but he was asking Jesus, who should I treat right? He, he had the whole wrong perspective about the word that he has been studying. He, he had it all mixed up. Because let me give you kind of the, the perspective of the day. The, the Pharisees, that when they thought of neighbor, they didn't think of this everybody as a whole. When they thought of neighbor, they thought of, of people who look like them, act like them, talk like them, think like them, walk like them. That was a neighbor. If you didn't do those things, you weren't a neighbor. And so back in that time, if you didn't walk like them, act like them, talk like them, think like them, they had every right not to be nice to you, to avoid you, and to ignore you. So when he said, who is my neighbor, he was trying to describe people who looked like him, who talked like him, who thought like him, who acted like him. And because of this, because they had this mindset of a neighbor— Because they had this mindset of only allowing people who looked like them and talked like them and walked like them and thought like them and acted like them, they missed out on Jesus. Because every time the Pharisees preached condemnation, Jesus preached conviction. Every time they they preached religion, Jesus taught relationship. Every time they were trying to teach that, hey, if you want to enter heaven, it's going to be by your works. Jesus said, no, now a new time has come. A new law has come. And now all you have to do is trust in me. And the grace of God will cover you. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so they had a wrong perspective. And so they missed out on Jesus because of that. They missed out on Jesus, the 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 Lamb of God, they missed out on Jesus, the Savior of our souls. Can we just talk about Jesus a little bit? They missed out on Jesus, the one that they have been talking about for 400 years. All that scripture, the the whole Bible points to one man, his name is Jesus. And the Pharisees who memorized the whole five books of the Bible, who've read about this man who is going to be prophesied to come, is standing right in front of their face, but because they have the wrong perspective, they missed out on it. Because they perceived people in the wrong way, they missed out on it. You all see why it's so important to perceive people the right way? Because you can miss on things that God has for you right in front of you. But because you look at people a certain way, because whether it be how you were raised or how you were taught or because of how you were hurt, now you have this perspective on people and you miss out on things. Point one for tonight is that a prejudiced perspective will limit your potential. A prejudiced perspective will limit your potential. If you only choose to engage with people who look like you, walk like you, talk like you, act like you, think like you, you're going to miss out on some things in your life. If you only talk to people, now look, I'm not just talking about race, I'm not just talking about sex, I'm not talking about this about creed or nationality. I'm talking about this because somebody has a different thought than you do. I'm talking about this because somebody uh, likes or dislikes something that you don't or do. I'm talking about all these things that we might develop a prejudice in our souls without even knowing it. Here's the thing about perspective. When you have it wrong, you don't know. When your perspective's not right, you, you don't know. It takes the Holy Spirit to convict you, to understand, I've been looking at people the wrong way. I, I've been looking at people through a perspective of this and that, race and this, of whether or not they have this much money in the bank or not, or drive this car or don't, or have this job or that. I've been looking at people the wrong way. And because of that, you will limit your potential because God wants to use people in your life that you would never have thought that God would use. I mean, can, can anybody be a witness to that? That there has been times when God blew you away because somebody who you never thought would be able to have that type of impact in your life comes up to you and God uses them. And you could have missed out on it just because they didn't look like you, act like you, talk like you, walk like you, think like you. Be prepared. I'm going to say that a lot. Because we have the wrong perspective on people, it will limit our potential. It will limit our potential. I mean, God wants to use people in your life. What 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 if your promise is ready, but your perspective is wrong if the person is going to deliver that promise, and God is waiting to bless you, but because you think that person is not good enough, or you think that person because he's on that side of the aisle or this side of the aisle, or because he's blue or red, because of that, you're not able to receive something from them? I mean, imagine that. God is way bigger than all those things, He can use anybody. In your life. So you continue in verse 30, and it says, Jesus replied with a story. If you ever read the Bible and you see Jesus reply with a story, know it's about to get good, okay? I mean, Jesus replies with a story when it was a good question. He said, Jesus replied with a story. He said, A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and let him half dead beside the road. So Jesus is telling the story and how he opens up the story by saying a Jewish man. Now you gotta remember he's talking to a group of Jewish people, Pharisees and Sadducees. So right now he, he's relating to them by saying a, a man who belongs to the person group that they belong to. So basically, what he's saying is saying, according to your perspective, this is a neighbor. Okay? He's Jewish. You're Jewish. So according to your perspective on people, he should be a neighbor. Everybody agree? I'm sorry, all the Pharisees were like, yes, we agree that this guy is a neighbor, and he's half beaten down on the road. And see, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was notoriously dangerous. It was known to be dangerous, so much so that nobody would travel down that road alone. Like they would travel in convoys because they thought, you know, uh, protection in numbers. And so they wouldn't dare to walk in that road alone. And if they did walk that road alone, it would be at risk of something happening like what happened to them. So again, we're talking about perspective. So if your perspective on people who are hurting and in pain and heartbroken because of a mistake they made, and if your perspective is saying, oh, because you made that mistake, you deserve the pain, if that's your perspective on on, on people, can I say that's broken? Like, if, if, if if, if you have a perspective saying, hey, you did that, and you know you shouldn't have, but you did it, so you deserve the pain, the consequences, and the heartbreak that's coming, like, if that's your perspective on people who make mistakes, can I tell you you have the wrong perspective? That's not the perspective God wants you to have. I mean, imagine, let me tell you something. If we all got what we deserved, none of us would be here. But by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, we are here. I mean, that deserves a hand clap. Again, I know perspective is a tough thing to talk about, but I'm telling you, it will change everything around you. See, if your perspective on people who make mistakes is saying you deserve that, that's on you. That's your fault. You should have known better. If that's your perspective, you got the wrong perspective. That's not how God looks at things. God doesn't look at you and say, because of that mistake you made, you deserve the anxiety that you have. God doesn't look at you and say, oh, because you knew you shouldn't have done that thing with that person, and now that you're experiencing heartbreak, guess what? You deserve it. I'm not going to relieve you from it. I mean, imagine if that's the kind of God we serve. That's not the kind of God we serve. He looks at us, and he sees our brokenness because of the mistakes that we have made. And he says, I'm here for you. He said, I will comfort you. I'm going to pick you up upside on the road, wherever it is. If you're on the road of depression, if you're on the road of anxiety, of heartbreak, if God sees you on the side of the road, he's going to pick you up. God's not going to pass you by and say, hey, look, you shouldn't have done that. You deserve it. So right away, Jesus is saying and talking about this road. And he goes in 31. Now, again, I just love the way how Jesus does things, okay? I love the way how he tells stories. So in verse 31, he, he sets up the story and then he says, by chance. Everybody say, chance. chance. He said, by chance, a priest came along. Almost like saying, it's his lucky day. <laughs> like, by chance, a priest. Now, you've got to remember, he's trying to relate to the Pharisees and Sadducees right now because a priest is about to, like, like the, that's a neighbor of a Pharisee. And so they're saying, oh, a priest, that's, that's someone who thinks like me, talks like me, acts like me, walks like me, you know, acts like me. That, that, that's my neighbor. And so they said, by, when Jesus said, by chance, a priest came along the Pharisees, like, oh, here he comes. Here comes the hero. Here, here comes the guy that's going to save them. And he says, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Jesus describes a person who looks like them, walks like them, talks like them, acts like them, thinks like them who should be a neighbor, but it said he passes them by. And the whole priest's job, like a priest's job to do, was to take care of people. So what Jesus was basically saying, that com- compared to your perspective, according to your perspective— this should be the person, like, if, you, if there's one person you should call, the first one should be a priest. Like, this is your first overall pick of who's going to be a helper and a neighbor. So here's your priest, and guess what? He didn't do it. Basically saying, neighbors aren't always going to look and talk and act and walk and think like you. And it says the priest walks by him. Now, I can imagine going that road because, you know, being a neighbor takes effort. You know it's not easy to be kind like it's almost the hardest thing to do especially if you're being kind to somebody who's not kind I mean golly it's one of the hardest things to do you know but it takes effort I know Jesus is talked about man beating on the side of the road but what about that coworker who talked bad about you behind your back but is crying in the corner what are you going to do are you going to look at him and say yeah and then walk, like walk, 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 go on the other side of the proverbial road, or are you gonna say, you know what? Yeah, you hurt me, and yeah, this is gonna take effort, but I'm gonna go over there. I'm gonna talk with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna pray with you. Like that's that that's that's being a neighbor, somebody. That's that, that's being a neighbor. And so this this priest, he says he walks past him because it, it it takes effort to be a neighbor. And it's it's where Jesus continues. And so Jesus, he goes from a priest, which is kind of like. Let's say, let's say we're drafting overall neighbors in the eyes of the Pharisee. Number one is priest. Like, if there's a neighbor you're going to call on the first one, okay, he's going to be a priest. Okay, Jesus goes to the second person, verse 32, and he says, a temple assistant. Okay, so now this is overall pick number two, okay? They're like, okay, the priest, he's probably having a tough day. You know, give him a break. All right, now the, the temple assistant Walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. So you guys got to see what Jesus is doing. He's saying, compared to your perspective on people, we're talking about how we perceive people. According to your perspective on people, they should be neighbors. Because they look like you, talk like you, walk like you, think like you, act like you. Like, they should be the one who's being kind to them, but yet they are the ones who are passing on the other side of the road. In verse 33. Now, according, you know, like I said, Jesus goes from the number one overall pick, a priest, number two overall, assistant, so number three, you know, I don't know what it would have been. Maybe the janitor. I don't know. Number, I, okay, I, I don't know the, the hierarchy of that. But they would probably think it was like maybe a common Jewish man was the one that Jesus was going to say next. But look what Jesus says next. In verse 33, he says, then a despised, everybody say despised, Samaritan came along. So he went from number one all the way to the very last person you would pick to help a person, a Samaritan. If you don't know the context, Jews don't like Samaritans, okay? As a matter of fact, they call them half-breeds, they call them dogs, they call them all these bad things because they, they, they mixed marriages and they weren't full-blood Jews, so they kicked them out. They weren't neighbors. They weren't neighbors. It says this, despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion. Everybody say Compassion compassion for him. The first two people that Jesus talked about, the priest and the, and the temple assistant, they looked a lot like the crowd he was talking to. They looked a lot like the Pharisees. And then he goes to the complete extreme and he talks about this Samaritan who they have complete odds with, who, who Samaritans don't like Jews and Jews don't like Samaritans. So basically, Jesus is saying, this is the very last person you would pick. If you were a Jew, to be helped by a Samaritan, very last. And a Samaritan would not help, would be the very last person they would want to help is a Jew. But here's where it caught me and it stopped me in my tracks is when he says the Samaritan, he felt compassion. Everybody say compassion. This Samaritan man, he said he felt compassion. He felt compassion. Although there were odds between them, the compassion he had overpowered those odds the compassion he had. Even though you might not agree with some of your family members, it should be your compassion for them that overcomes those odds. You say, you know what, we don't agree, and you know what, we're on different sides of the aisle, whatever it is, but I have so much compassion for you that it's going to overcome those odds. But if we don't have compassion for people, as soon as something gets in the way between us, we're going to let that wall grow and build and build and build because our compassion is not there to tear it down. Compassion will overcome any kind of odds or differences between a person because what that one person is saying is saying, I care more about your well-being more, more than I care about the differences between us. He had compassion for them. He had compassion for that man, this Samaritan man. Had compassion for the Jew, Jewish man on the side of the street. Point number two for tonight is that we have to be compelled with compassion for others. We have to be compelled with compassion for others. Why? Compassion doesn't see color, compassion doesn't see creed, compassion doesn't see how much you have in the bank account, compassion doesn't care about all those things. Compassion doesn't care. What side of politics you're on? Compassion doesn't care, mask or no mask. Compassion doesn't care about any of that. Compassion says, I view you the way God sees you. That's compassion. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have to be known for our compassion. Let us be a church known for our compassion. Let us be a group of people, not known for our talent, not known for how good we are, good at this, or good at that. Let us be a people known for our compassion. Let us be a group of people knowing, hey, you know, yeah, they have all these things going, but man, they just care a lot. They have compassion. They don't care if you don't look like them, talk like them, act like them. They're still going to have compassion towards you. It doesn't matter if it was your mistake, it doesn't matter if if that was a a decision that's on you. They're still going to have compassion for you. We have to be a a, a group of people, followers of Jesus Christ. We have to be known for our compassions. Colossians 3.12 says it like this. says, since God chose you to be the holy people, everybody say holy people. people. He loves you, must clothe yourself with a tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He's saying, hey, if you're going to be my people, you got to clothe yourself with compassion. If you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, you have to clothe yourself for compassion. Because even Jesus said to his disciples, they will know you because of your, somebody help me out, love. Anyways, we'll have a class after. (laughs) But we have to be a people known for our compassion. We have to be a people known for our compassion. We have to be. I'll go far as this. If you don't have compassion for your fellow brother and man, you don't truly know what Jesus has done for you. If you truly know what Jesus has done for you and the kind of sin he's removed from you and the life he has given you, you can't help but have compassion for people. You can't help but go out and love on people. and. Wrap your arms around him and say, yes, you're in a bad place, but I was too. But there's this man named Jesus, and he's going to take care of you. He's going to relieve you from that pain. That depression can be gone. That anxiety can be relieved. That, That addiction can go out the door, and it happens by compassion. Imagine if we didn't have compassion for people, and we saw people on the streets. We saw people in the corner. We saw people hurt, and we know the answer. But we lack the compassion to give it to them. We have to be a people of compassion, man. This reminds me of like what we did last Wednesday. The Christians in Afghanistan are going to t- through terrible things right now, but because we had the compassion, we dedicated a whole service of prayer for them. That's compassion. That's saying we have to go and we have to put our love in action. That's compassion. Really, what the challenge is for tonight is: what if instead of this? condemning people what if instead of saying you deserve this you deserve that or what if instead of saying I ah, you know I got a busy schedule what if we just always showed compassion first yeah. what if we were like the good Samaritan and we see the hurt and we say you know what we got to help I don't care what he did I don't care what he looks like I don't care what he talks like I see a hurt and I got to help that's compassion people who are compassionate say oh before I help you What do you think about this? People with compassion say, hey, before I help you, you know, what's your favorite sports team? I might have asked that a few years ago. But people with compassion says, I see a hurt, and I know who can help. I see a hurt, and I know who can help. I don't care what you did. I don't care what you think you did. I don't care if you deserve it. I see a hurt, and I know who can help. That's compassion. That's compassion. And that's the kind of life... We have to live. And look how the, the, the good Samaritan, in verse 34, it says, Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine. Begin as I read this, this begin to think about what Jesus had done for you. He soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and banished him. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And then the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver corns, telling him, Take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Reading that scripture, I can't help but think about Jesus. I can't help but think about the similarities of Jesus because the first two people were religious. The first two people who walked by him were all about rituals and legalism. And I can't think about how that Jewish man might have represented the Jewish nation and you and I. How religion was there for them I passed them by, but then came a man who didn't look like or didn't talk like or didn't act like what they thought should be, but he's the one who showed compassion, and his name is Jesus, and he picked us up on that side of the road, and it might have been addiction where we're at. It might have been disbelief. It might have been doubt. It might have been hurt. It might have been pain, but Jesus came at the side of the road and picked us up, and he showed compassion no matter what. I mean, when you were talking to Jesus, we were like, Jesus, I love you. Did Jesus say, okay, now, what do you think about this? Or what? Do you know? Jesus says, I love you, too. I'm showing compassion on you. Jesus, Jesus is the reflection of the Samaritan and the way that he will never pass you by. There will never be a time in your life where you'll be hurt and he won't be there to help. There will never be a time in your life where he's going to say, you know what, you sit there and wait there and learn from your mistake because you deserve it. There will never be that time. Jesus will look at you with such a heart full of compassion he says, that's my child. And I have to help him. And when we call out his name, he's always there. Man, who's thankful for Jesus in this place? <laughs> Verse 36, he said, now which of these three, he's talking to the Pharisee, would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? See, Jesus, the the. The question he answered wasn't the one he asked. The guy asked, who is my neighbor? But Jesus was showing him how to be a neighbor. Jesus was showing him how to act, how to perceive people, how to look at people, how to have a heart of compassion, how to perceive the ones around you. And it's not going to be based on how they look, walk, or talk, or act. It's going to be based on how you view people. It's going to be based on how God views them. And in verse 37, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy, then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. I'm closing. Can you all stand? Did y'all stand? Y'all enjoyed tonight? Y'all enjoying tonight? I know it's perspective on people, part two of viewpoints, but I want to tell a story real quick. When I was at Bible school, um, the first uh, semester I had there was a lot of fun. I had uh, seven roommates. I had seven roommates in a room man, I can't even find things, something too small enough, it was a small room with seven roommates, but they, I mean, they were crazy people, but we got along pretty well, and over that, over that semester, you know, um, there was probably, like, close to, like, 200 um, guys there um, at that Bible college, and I got along with 198 of them, okay, like, I, look, i I try to, to love everybody, I try to get along with everybody. I think that's pretty good numbers, 198 out of 200. There was these two guys, I mean, they, they were the kind of people who were like always be in your face and always just talking this and talking that and always just like saying things they shouldn't and, and always trying to dish it out but they never want to take it. It was these two guys and, and, and so I was like, it's all right, I'm getting along with most. The second semester comes around and we're getting new roommates. And I was like, God, you know, I honestly, wasn't even a prayer. I was like, the the odds are so slim. I mean, like, I don't even think I have to pray about this. I probably should have. Now I think about it. We're getting new roommates, and you know, I'm going into my room, and I'm sure y'all can guess. But I had two roommates that semester, and I get, I bet you can guess the two people were my roommates. Those two people I couldn't stand. And I said, Good Lord. I said, God, are you telling me to leave? Like, what are you trying? Like, what are you trying to say? The first two weeks of that semester, I mean, it was it was tough. It was terrible. I would tell those guys, like, I would say, look, we need to schedule times when you're not here and you're not here and it's just me, because I need it for my sanity. And I would tell like, and I like, because they would just always be loud and they were messy and they were like, they were in all the ways that. Press my buttons they knew how to press it and i was struggling with it to a point i was like god am i even supposed to be here and at that point i was talking to jesus and god was saying i was saying all these things wrong with them i was saying god they need to do this they need to do that they need to shut up more they need to you know i was saying all these things that they needed to do and god was saying have you what are the good things about them?' i was like god there is none you know? He was like, no. There's so many great things about them. There's so many. And as as I began to pray, God gave me this prayer of, God, help me view them the way you view them. I began to pray that. I began to change my perspective of them. Because although they didn't look like me, talk like me, think like me, annoyed me, I began to look at these people the way God sees them as a child of God. And I kid you not. All of a sudden, I began to see these guys in a new light, and although nothing changed about them, everything changed, because my perspective of them changed, and I began to say, see some things like, you know what, this guy's actually kind of funny, you know, I give him a hard time, and it's like, you know what, yeah, this guy does that, but he's, he's a good cook, maybe he can, do, you know, like, all these things, I started to see these things, and we began to get along better, and it was because my perspective of them changed, my perspective of them changed. And God really convicted me in that moment because I thought about of all the people I didn't get along with. And I began to realize it wasn't them, it was me. I began to realize there's no such thing as a perfect person. I began to realize that there's wrong with everybody. And if I have the wrong perspective, I'm not going to get along with any of them. But if I take on a perspective that God wants me to have, a perspective of people of compassion, a perspective of people that allows me to see the best, not the worst. I begin to realize that's how God wants me to walk this life. This is what I want to close with, this viewpoint of how we should see people, is we need to view people the way Jesus sees them. we got to view people the way Jesus sees them. Let that be our prayer tonight. Let that be that prayer of begin to think about that co-worker you cannot stand begin to think about that boss that you're about to you know physically do something begin to think about these people that you can't stand and begin to say jesus i want to view them the way you view them because my perspective of them is messed up and jacked up and i can't stand but god i want to see them the way you see them god help me God, help me see this family member who I can't seem to get along with, God. Help me see them the way you see them. God, give me, give me your eyes of people. God, give me your perspective. Help me see them from, from the way of, that they're a child of God. They're a brother and sister in Christ. That they're on the same boat as me that's trying to live life. So we have your head bowed, eyes closed. We're about to sing a song, and God's going to convict us, and the and, and Holy Spirit's going to come in. But begin to think about these people. Begin to think about how God can change. Because I'm telling you right now, you might think you have a messed up family. I'm just telling you, you might have a messed up perspective. You might be thinking that you have the worst friends, but what if you don't have the great perspective of them? begin to think about these things, the people you can't stand, the the people that you even have a disdain for, and say, God, yes, they might have hurt me. Yes, they might do this. Yes, they might do that. Yes, they might have done some terrible things to me, but God, let me see them the way you see them. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend.